Welcome to DCS Talks. Our topic today is foster and birth parent relationships. Megan Templeton is joining us today, and we want to turn it over to her. So before we get into the subject matter, Miss Megan, how are you today? I'm doing good. Good to hear it. Yes. So we're going to be talking about birth and foster parent relationships. And I know this is a soft spot in your heart, and it's something that we encourage through 10 key classes and, and all the way through fostering as well. But before we get into that subject matter, you want to give us a little introduction. How did you get involved with fostering? So about 10, 11 years ago, we wanted to grow our family. And at that point, we weren't able to grow it through biology. So we looked into adoption and fostering and we weren't sure which way we wanted to go. And ultimately, we decided fostering would be more for us. That way we could have children in our home while we were still pursuing adoption. And we could be of use to those children while we were waiting for ours. But we definitely, when we started fostering, we had adoption in our hearts and we didn't really fully understand the reunification process or even the working with the birth parent process which is why this topic is so near and dear to my heart now. Okay, wow. That's really awesome. So did you have any background in child care or were you familiar with the foster care system beforehand? I was not super familiar with the foster care system beforehand. I did have experience with child care. I was, I, you know, I grew up babysitting and then I worked professionally as a nanny and I did in-home care as well in my home. And then we also had a child of our own. So we had children all around us for years. <laughs> okay. So you had some experience going into what it meant to be a foster parent. Maybe even early on in your fostering career, you could help educate birth parents in the process of, of parenting and, and child care as a whole. So let, let's jump into the subject. And let me just ask, in your opinion, why do you think it's important to connect with birth parents? First and foremost, if you're going to love these kids, you got to love their parents. That is ultimately number one. And some people find it hard because these parents have abused these children in many different ways. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in our homes. But these children love those people, and these children love their parents. And so for us to love these children, we need to love the people they love, too. It provides them a place of security and trust, and it just it helps your relationship with the children, which is the whole reason why we should be fostering, is to help the children. I, I couldn't agree more. So we have that foster parent, birth parent relationship. Oftentimes, it starts with just like we started the interview today, getting to know the person prior to this situation. A lot of times it, it involves a birth parent telling their story. So do you think it's important to hear the birth parent's story from their perspective? Definitely. Throughout the years of us fostering, traditionally, we met so many different parents along the way. And you hear the stories from the caseworkers, and they're usually pretty non-biased. Our caseworkers have been exceptional in that, to where they just kind of lay out the facts of what has happened. But you still, we have our own personal biases when we hear them. And so when you meet the birth parents and you find out, well, this person did drugs while they were expecting. And then you meet the birth parent and you find out, well, they were doing drugs because they were self-medicating, because they have a very traumatic past themselves. It definitely changes your perspective on them. And you can have a lot more empathy and sympathy and compassion towards them. So definitely 
being able to meet those birth parents where they're at, hearing their stories and understanding their perspective is going to go a long ways with working with them because it's really hard to work with somebody that you have lots of doubts about and you have lots of reservations about and you might even hate a little bit. So if you can find that place where you can have that compassion towards them by hearing their story, it's definitely going to help a long ways in your relationship with them. Hearing the story from the birth parent's perspective, taking this 2D you know, person on a piece of paper to you, and then all of a sudden making them 3D and part of a, a working world and not just this specific situation that, that you are in with them. It, it opens the floor to everything that's surrounding the birth parents as well, not just what's on the piece of paper in front of you. So if, if you can, think back to the very beginning of your fostering career, I'll call it. Was, was there ever a time where after you got to know the birth parents a little bit, it changed your perspective of the birth parent? Definitely. Our first case was a rather short case, so I didn't actually have the opportunity to meet those birth parents. But our second case was a long-term case. And we had a relationship with not only the birth parents themselves, but the birth family, the extended family. And it really did change my perspective of how dare these people do this to these children, to this is a generational problem. And us building that relationship helped me feel more comfortable around them. It helped me feel more comfortable with, you know, going to visit and picking up kids from visits. And it even helped me advocate for the parents because there were times in that particular case that the birth parents were not getting their visits in. They were not having their rights upheld. And in that situation, I had to help advocate for the birth parents to have their visits because whether I agree with it or not, if we're not abiding by policy, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for the children. It's not good for the parents. It's not good for me because I don't know what to expect either. So and definitely getting that connection with them, realizing they're not scary. They're just in a bad place and realizing the things about them that their children love about them, I can love too, was a big turning point for me. Because again, I went into this thinking birth parents were the bad guys. I went into this already with all kinds of biases and prejudices. And I have emerged on the other side with a different perspective. It's not perfect. It is severely flawed still most of the time. But I try to remember that perspective that I learned early on, that these are just people who are having problems that I could easily have myself. At the end of the day, making everyone exactly what they are. We are humans. We are fallible. And having that more broad perspective of what this other person is. You did mention something. You took birth parents and you broadened that scope a bit and you said birth family. So let me ask you now, where do the connections end? Is it birth parents, birth parents and other children in their home, birth family? Where does the connection end? As always, it's, you know, on a case-to-case basis, we have had connections with birth parents exclusively, exclusively one birth parent opposed to the other. We've had relationships with grandparents, with one grandparent, with grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. It just depends on the situation and truly who is involved in the case. Some children come into care with a big support system who want to see them, and they're there all the time. And some kids come into care with just their parents. 
And that needs to be taken with a grain of salt because these kids who don't come in with that big family, it's oftentimes not that they don't have it. It's that the larger family doesn't know that they need to be involved and that they don't understand that they should be involved or they're afraid of overstepping. And so if you have a situation where, you know, you have a relationship with birth parents, but there's nobody else, don't think badly of the extended family. Just understand that they might be afraid of stepping on toes or overstepping boundaries because that's quite common. And one of our last traditional cases that we had, we actually had a really great relationship with the birth dad. And we had a situation to where we attended a family function of his and he took us around and introduced us to his family. Like we were part of his family and it was a really great relationship that we had with him and his kids. And he is a spectacular dad. And we were so glad when those children were able to be reunified with them. And we were glad to be able to be able to keep that bond up with him. It really plays into what, we preach over and over again, building attachments. And we, we preach it a lot in, in fostering with building attachments with the kiddos, building the attachments with the foster children themselves, but creating attachments with the entire birth family as well really creates this dynamic that we are all on one team. We are all focused on one specific goal. It creates like a brotherhood and sisterhood of work that you're doing together rather than two opposing sides that are kind of butting heads in competition. So I really like that you're focusing on that. Do you tend to start relationships with the birth family? Uh, and as you say, you know, you're broadening it to, to whoever is part of the birth family that's, that's willing to be in, in the relationship. Do you tend to start that with the child and family team meeting or do you tend to do it as soon as possible with creating those attachments with the birth family? Typically for us, because the first few weeks of placement are so crazy. Um, we tend to not meet birth families until that first meeting. That's just how we've been. There have been times that we've met birth parents in the hospital and we've created that connection then when like picking up um, infant placements. But typically it's around the first team meeting and then we tend to be the ones who pick up and drop off for visit and that's typically when we can make those bonding connections and we can talk about the child more and brag on them. You know, that's just typically how we do it. I like that you mentioned the bragging side, the, the fun roles that you get as a, as a foster parent. And, and I asked you at the very beginning what, um, what your background was in child care and, and parenting as a whole. And that kind of translates to how you interact with a birth parent as well. So what kind of roles have you played with your relationship with a birth parent? Would it be teaching, friendship, resources, you know, on and on? All of the above and none of the above. It just honestly depends on the case. There's cases that we're highly involved with and we're friends with the parents and we're mentors with the parents. And there's cases where we have to take a step back and not work so closely with them. The ones that we work really closely on. We try to have that friendship and that camaraderie with, we try to co-parent as much as possible with the birth parents and include them in the parenting aspect as much as possible. And we just, you know, we say it all the time in training, but it just, it simply depends on the case. There's some parents who just need a mentor to teach them how to parent. And we've been that. And there's some that just need a friend to support them. And we've done that. 
There's some people who just need a ride. <laughs> we've done that. The ones that we've been able to be the friend of and have that connection with have better results long-term for the kids, whether they have been adopted by our family or whether they've returned home. They just have a better outcome overall. It's not as traumatic and it's not as stressful for the kids. I like that mindset that you're displaying here where you know that you might have to wear multiple hats being a foster parent and and having that relationship with the birth family as well. You did mention we talk about a lot of things in class and we talk about serve and return with foster children to build attachments there. And that's one of many strategies that we talk about in order to make attachments. But we always focus it on the foster child. So let's apply the knowledge that we already have. Uh, I am fully sold that a relationship with foster parents and birth parents are important. What are some strategies you take into making connections with birth parents? One thing that I've always, always thought is great about BCS is the strength-based systems they have for CFTMs and any kind of meeting that you have in the office to where we talk about strength first. And during those CFTMs, I think that is a great time to show those birth parents that you're on their side by being the first one to say a strength, whether it is these kids have a great bond with their family, whether these kids have seen their family, you know, and done phone calls or whatever, be that first person to say their strength. Let them know you are on their side right off the bat if you can. And sometimes it might be a struggle to find it, but search deep, y'all. Listening is a big one. And listening with a non-judgmental attitude. Again, it's not anything that I've mastered yet. I still struggle and I still fail. Um, but that that poker face, that non-judgmental um, attitude will get you a ways with dealing with families that are different than your own. And then, you know, referring to the children as your child, making sure that they know that when the medical appointments are and that they need to be there because these are their medical appointments with their kids, all of that comes kind of down into, well, part of that is that serve and return that you talked about, like the listening and then the talking back. And then be a supporter. I mean, when you're having a hard time, anyone who's there for you cheering you on, being that cheerleader, they're going to stick out in your mind and you might listen to them more than somebody who's being a naysayer. So just be that cheerleader that they need. If you want to hear support from the crowd, you know, outside of the situation, that's fine. But I think the most support that you can get is another teammate right next to you, supporting you and pushing you on. And it really solidifies that attachment of we are both parents with the same goal. We are on the same team. We are teammates. And and I'm going to push you along as a teammate um, to do your best because it helps the team as a whole as well. So now that we're applying this information to our real lives, our, our real foster parenting lives, are there some stern rules that you set with what you share with birth parents? To sound like a broken record. It truly depends on the case. There are a few things that I choose not to share, though. I choose typically not to share my personal cell phone number. We have a house number that we give out to birth parents for phone calls. And I choose to give out my email address to send pictures and communicate back and forth with birth parents that way. But in my fostering, I've always said that I 
I get to step away and birth parents don't get to contact me 24 seven. So if I give them out my cell phone number, I tend to get a lot more contact with people. So that's just something that I keep private. There's not a lot more than that we keep private. I mean, we talk about things going on in our life with our birth parents when it's appropriate. We talk about our other kids. Our other kids come to visit with us sometimes. And so we share our life with the birth family so that they can feel comfortable sharing their life with us and so that we can bond. I mean, we're in this, we are in this together, whether we like them or not, whether they like us or not. We're in this together, and the more we can share and the more we can discover similarities with one another, the easier it'll be. There are exceptions to those rules. There are a few times that we've shared personal cell phone numbers with people, but usually it's after a relationship is formed. I think it really defaults to uh, the comfortability level of, just like you said, every different situation. DCS can guide you to the right specific area, give you as much detail as they can, but it's up to you to, to see what kind of personality type fits you the best and, and how you can connect with birth parents in your unique way. And I will say that we have had trainings on how to work with birth parents, and we've had trainings on how to work with kinship placements, because we're currently a kinship placement as well. And both classes are helpful in learning kind of how to go about it and so that those classes are really useful for that. And you say it's impossible to force this. Then, then we need to apply that to, to our fostering uh, life as well. So how do you handle rejection from a birth parent as well? Realizing that it's not personal. They don't dislike you. They dislike the situation and understand that if I was in their shoes, I would hate me too, just because we do a lot of infants. We do a lot of little kids. And at the end of the day, I'm the one rocking their baby to sleep. I'm the one changing the diapers. I'm the one getting all the snuggles and cuddles in. And then the one that gets to hold the baby for an hour and feel like they don't know what they're doing. I can have all the sympathy in the world for a mom who is going through that. And I can understand if she dislikes me and she doesn't want to be my friend. Yeah, that, that can be understandable sometimes, definitely. We always default to the idea that whatever is best for the child is what we need to do. Birth parent, foster parent relationship, it's no different in that. So how have your relationships with birth parents impacted your relationship with your foster children? It's hard when you have a decent relationship with the birth parent and the case goes to termination because they're just not where they need to be because it feels a lot more like you're taking their child away, even though I know that I have no say-so in the matter. <laughs> it does feel that way, and it feels that way to them, too. So having a relationship with the birth parents sometimes in those situations can be strained, and it's hard to maintain that friendship during those situations. Um, on the other side, when you have a good relationship and you're at that point in the case, sometimes it's a blessing because sometimes the birth parent can see the love that you have for their child. They can see the love that their child has for you. They can see the love you have for them. Everybody can see the love and they will say, I'm willing to be the one who makes the sacrifice and I'm the one who's willing to give up my rights in this scenario. 
when you have that good relationship with the birth parents and then that child gets to go home, it can be an exciting, exciting day because you are going to feel that loss because you love that kid, but they get to go back and be with their parents. As much as we want to, we cannot replace their parents. Those are the people they came from. And so there are negative impacts when you have a relationship with the birth parents, but there's usually more positive and more blessings from that because typically how cases end, it can be a positive, but occasionally it's a negative. You just gave us three start different scenarios where there can be goods, there can be bads, and we just have to focus on the idea of at the end of the day, a child-parent relationship is is important. And if we can help facilitate that um, and encourage that, there could be negative outcomes, there could be positive outcomes, but your efforts are, are what's important in that situation. So I appreciate that. And I wanted to mention one more thing. There are times that you're going to have a relationship with the birth parent, but you're still going to be looking out for what's best for that child. And you might have a difference of opinions, and that is definitely going to strain your relationship with that birth parent, too. But like you said, our relationship with the birth parent is important, but that, that child comes first. So try to advocate for the child in a way that doesn't cut off the birth parent completely, but still advocate for the child, which is not easy. It, it seems to be a balancing act. And with experience and with different challenges with different children in your home, everyone can can better build this up. But at the end of the day, curveballs are still curveballs. Each new child and each new family you are you know able to be a part of is a new opportunity to do your best and to do what's best for the kiddo. You did mention something there about always still advocating for the best for the child, even though it's it's kind of tough with doing that and developing a relationship with the birth parents. So when building a relationship with birth parents, has there ever been an issue of trust versus confidentiality? There have been a few times where birth parents have disclosed things to me that I've had to disclose to DCS, but there's never been a time where a child has disclosed something to me that would affect my relationship with a birth parent. I don't keep things from DCS to protect my relationship with the birth parents, just because I think that the child's welfare comes first. It's a tightrope that you have to walk because birth parents, some of them will just tell you the most random things. And sometimes there's stuff that you feel like you need to report or you just need to let the caseworker be aware of. I've never been in a position to where I was afraid of the birth parent necessarily getting really mad at me either. I think that is a comfort as well. Always defaulting to what's best for the kiddo and never promising that, you know, something will just stay between you and the birth parents is a recommendation I would also make. Reflecting on your fostering calling, how has opening up to birth parents made you a better parent? I learned a lot more compassion for people and I have a lot more understanding with my children because the birth parents that I deal with have a lot of the same backgrounds health history that my own children have now. I can see them and I can see their struggles and I can have compassion for them. And then my own children have those struggles and I'm like, you can't do that. And then I 
take a step back and I realize, no, there's more to their story than meets the eye. You need to remember and be patient with them. So it does teach me patience, especially dealing with my children who come from backgrounds different than my own, that they have different experiences and that I need to take that into account when I am parenting them. So that is definitely a great reminder to me whenever I'm dealing with a birth parent and I am parenting my own children. It's definitely a great reminder of how I need to change my parenting tactics to suit the child themselves. Getting a deeper relationship with the birth parents then in turn adds an extra depth or an extra layer to the foster child themselves as well. Okay, so reflecting back on your experience with building these relationships, has your decision to make these connections brought on more success or challenges? I think it's definitely brought on more success because the children that have returned to their families have a better relationship with their families. The children who have stayed with us have a better relationship with us and or still have a relationship with their families. But anytime you have a relationship with another human being, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulties. So yeah, I would say definitely both. Expect the the challenges or the hardships and expect the success of building that relationship to, to outweigh those challenges. That's That's a comfort as well. So just to wrap up, Megan, I appreciate you coming on and and talking to me today. Is there anything that you can focus on specifically where you know you have made a birth parent a better parent because of something that you taught them or or something that has been part of your relationship with them? We have one mom in particular who I love to death. I still love her. We'll talk to her, and I am her biggest fan. She has lost a few children into custody. And when we met, it was because I had one of her children in custody and she struggled. I cannot say for certain it was me who did this, but I know that because of the love that we gave to her and her son and the love that her son had for our family, that she recognized all that and she as a mother decided to make the ultimate sacrifice for her son and to surrender her rights so he could stay in her home. And I know that's not the typical success story, but because of her sacrifice, she still has a relationship with her child. Her son has gotten to stay in a a relatively stable home and her son has gone to stay with his best friend and grow and thrive. And if she hadn't made that sacrifice for him, his life would have been a little bit more sporadic, a little bit more unstable. And so I can't really say that was me influencing her, but I know that the love that we had for him and the love that we had for her influenced that. I firmly believe that all roads that lead to what's best for the child is a success story. Ms. Megan, thank you again so much for joining us today. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. And listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of DCS Talks.